1: Cannons, word of the day, February 3rd, 2021 is cannons. Never thought that'd be a word of the day. Not a big fan of cannons. When I would go to the circus when I was a kid and there'd be people, there was the Big Apple Circus and Ringling Brothers, Barnum Bailey would always go to Madison Square Garden. I used to love that because I went to Nick games, totally off the subject, coca, having nothing to do with the show. I was just thinking about the circus. Madison Square Garden for 10 days would have the circus and the Knicks would always go on a road trip when the circus came to town, but the circus would do installation before the Knicks left with their, after their final home game, before the circus came to town. And when you walked into the garden, you would smell elephant crap and it would just smell like a circus. And the way you walk to your seat in the garden is you walk up ramps and you could see where the animals were kept in cages, tigers and elephants and bears and lions, oh my. And when you looked up at the jumbotron at the garden at the at the scoreboard, there would always be the trapezes that were clipped. They weren't hanging down the way they do when the circus comes, but they were clipped up. So everyone was ready for the circus. I used to love, love, love the circus. I just didn't like the cannons. I didn't really understand what was the skill involved when you jump into a cannon and get shot out of a cannon and land in a big net with so much room around you. Like I always thought, If you're going to land in a a net, make it a tiny little net so you better land right or else there's a chance of getting hurt because that's what you're looking for when you're at the circus, right? You want to see people, you know, defy death. The motorcycles that are in the globe, you know, the two and three and four and five motorcycles going around the globe. That always fascinated me. The people riding on the tigers around the ring. It always was sad. I used to love circuses and zoos until I was lucky enough to go to South uh, um to go to Africa and to go on a safari in Botswana and Zimbabwe and uh, I was supposed to actually go with my dad, a little dad memory and he got sick and he sent all of his children and grandchildren and he couldn't go but we still went. And once you go on a safari in Africa, I've not been to a circus since I've not been to a zoo since because you simply realize how unbelievably cruel zoos are and now Belly's out of out of business. And it's just unbelievable that these animals spend 23 hours a day in cages. It's simply terrible. But the cannons were like, uh, what's so circusy about that? So cannons are the word of the day because in an era where statements are coming out every day, thank God, that's why nothing personal was born because of statements. A statement caught my eye yesterday. I've watched football, I'm a, I'm a fan. I do this for a living. So I watch enough football, but I never really focused on the cannons that exist in Tampa Bay at their home stadium. I just don't really think about it much. And I noticed when Nickelodeon did a game during the playoffs, I noticed that there were cannons going off with confetti, but it looked like CGI kind of stuff. So I really never realized there were actual cannons that get fired in Tampa. So I'm looking at a statement And it says, the firing of the cannons after big plays is a tradition that defines what it means to be a Buccaneer fan and serves as a signature element of our home game experience at Raymond James Stadium. However, we also acknowledge and understand the NFL's position with regards to maintaining the integrity of a neutral site atmosphere for Super Bowl 55. While the cannons may not fire in their typical fashion, We look forward to showcasing parts of our tradition while working within the league's guidelines. Love the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. (laughs) I called up Coca and I said, Coca, we're leading off with this because I want to explain what a neutral site game means, how leagues deal with home teams and home teams in game entertainment departments and whether or not it actually matters to the players to have these sort of home team celebrations whether or not our players enjoy the home run sculpture whether or not the Buccaneers players enjoy cannons going off or whatever it is that your home team does the Mets with the Apple the Houston Astros with the train that goes back and forth the Brewers with Bernie the Brewers sliding down the slide everyone's got a shtick It's a shtick. And the reason why we do shticks as executives of teams is we are under the impression that you, as fans, like the shtick. We are under the impression that when something good happens, you then associate an activity that happens after that good thing happens, and that you come to the game when you see the good thing, you get all excited when the good thing happens. And when the home run sculpture doesn't work, I would lose my mind because I wasn't delivering the good thing that we were trying to deliver to our fans. Until I talked to our fans, not that they didn't like the home run sculpture, though some people didn't like Jeter, but other people did. Not that people don't like the cannons or the Apple, et cetera. But it turns out that fans like the good thing more than the shtick that happens after the good thing happens. So... Which makes sense, right? Don't you want good things to happen because you want your team to win? And do you really care if your team goes 16-0 and 0 and wins the Super Bowl, yet after the team scores, not one thing happens. They don't celebrate. They don't do the show-me cam. They don't do anything. They just give the ball back to the referee or the umpire, and they just go on with the game. I'm all about winning, right? Just just win the damn game, would you? Because as Pat Riley used to say, there's winning and then there's misery. And uh, I never thought about that as an executive because I had misery when we won, I had misery when we lost, because there's so much other stuff going on that even when you win. that You know what, Coca. That is a a question that I've been asked that I don't know that I've ever answered. How do you know when you're done being an executive? You know you're done when the losses hurt more than the wins feel good. In the beginning of my career, winning a game felt much better than how badly I felt when we lost. As I got toward the end of my career, losing a game felt way worse than winning a game felt good. So let's talk about the Super Bowl and the World Series and what a, what a neutral site game is supposed to be. And this is only coming up because for the first time ever, the Super Bowl is being played at a site where the team who plays there during the regular season is also playing in the Super Bowl. It's a big deal, it's never happened. Every team who's hosting the Super Bowl, the Dolphins used to do this all the time. When the Dolphins would host, they would always say, this is our year, we're gonna make this Super Bowl and be the first team to ever play in our home stadium. Tom Brady, of course, goes to the Buccaneers and uh, a few months later, bing, bang, boom, they're hosting the Super Bowl. So let's start with, where will Tom Brady be putting on his skivvies because there's a big difference between the home clubhouse and the visiting clubhouse. When you design a stadium, you design the home clubhouse to be really, really comfortable, really nice, really big chairs, comfortable chairs, leather chairs, bigger lockers, better showers, better sinks, better toilets. Everything's better. The visiting clubhouse meets the bare minimum standards and guidelines as set out by your league. So we have less room in between the stalls, because we, we, I like to picture all the visiting players on the crapper and hearing each other and watching their legs underneath. And we put magazines in the stalls just to try to distract the players more. We always did that, by the way. The visiting clubhouse manager would have to put all sorts of magazines in visiting clubhouses, anything to keep the players' minds off actually beating us as the home team. Not in the home clubhouse. Visiting clubhouse has a smaller kitchen. The chairs are like from, uh, are, are those uncomfortable sort of chairs, very uncusheny. The The lockers are very small. The training room is small and dank. We do different lighting in the visiting clubhouse. The lighting in the home clubhouse is bright and it is uh, the colors make you feel happy and good. The way we do the visiting clubhouse is the colors are more subdued. We wanna keep the adrenaline down of the visiting players. The training room is in such a way that the lights aren't near the training table. So the places uh, in the training room at the home clubhouse where you lay out all of your tape and your scissors and your Advil and Tylenol, which players take before games, believe me, they've got headaches. And all of those things are in an organized fashion. In the visiting clubhouse, you have a bin and you stick all the crap in the bin. That's just how it goes. So who gets the home clubhouse during a Super Bowl? You switch off. One year, the AFC team gets the home clubhouse. One year, the, N- the next year, the NFC team gets the home clubhouse. Luckily, this year for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it is the year of the NFC. So Tom Brady is actually in his own clubhouse with his own locker with his own amenities. Done. What else? The NFL goes to the team that's hosting about a year in advance, and they start talking about what the field is going to look like, what to do with the in-stadium advertising, what to do during the TV timeouts, because when you run your own game, the way you work TV timeouts is that, or in between innings, is that you have your own in-game entertainment, and you have sponsored events like the uh, the hide the ball and the hat trick where you have to choose where the ball ends up, like three card Monty. You've got the in-game entertainment person who is interviewing fans and giving away stuff. You've got music playing, you've got dancers dancing, all the stuff that you do to try to entertain your fans. I always loved that part of of, of putting on a presentation because I viewed a baseball game as like a three hour and 30 minute Broadway show. I wanted fans to be entertained and there's no intermission like halftime in football, there's no intermission in baseball. It's just 2.5 minutes in between innings, about 17 times. And uh, so I always would have the discussion with my entertainment people. I want us to be good and entertaining, but I want to make sure that fans take the opportunity in between innings to go to the concession stand because that's where we're going to make money. I need them going out and getting more beer and getting more food and more hot dogs and more popcorn. Okay. So the NFL walks in and they say, Hey, listen, Here's what we're doing in between the first and second quarter. Here's the halftime show, which as you know, is this time with the weekend. By the way, I read Coca that the weekend is spending like $9 million to rent an Airbnb for the week. I'm hoping I misread that because what kind of Airbnb would be $9 million for the week? Is he renting out Tom Brady's house? So they plan and they go to the home team and they say, here's everything we're doing. And just so you know your people are going to be running the equipment our people are going to tell you what animations are going to be run our people are going to tell you what the PA announcer is going to read how the PA announcer will say what he's supposed to say and when he's supposed to say it so the NFL or MLB during the World Series they take control now the difference with MLB in the World Series is every game is a home game for somebody during the World Series when you're not playing at a neutral site the way they did last year with COVID. But generally, the home team is the home team. And it is very frustrating for you as a home team when you are playing at home that you don't have control and you don't don't get to do the things you want to do. The NFL went to Tampa and said, I understand you're home, but we have to pretend that you're not home. And part of pretending that you're not home is that you don't get to put off your cannons. And Tampa Bay said, no way, we have to do our cannons. That's what we do. So they appealed to the NFL. The NFL thought about it, and the NFL decided, no, we're not going to let you use the cannons for your big plays. So what I'm watching for on Sunday is, well, will the cannons go off for Kansas City's big plays as well? Because like when we hosted the All-Star Game, the home run sculpture went off when anyone hit a home run. When we hosted a World Series, though, in pro player, we didn't have uh, home run sculpture but we did what we wanted when we scored but we also had to do stuff when the Yankees scored because in theory it's sort of a neutral game even though there's a much more clear home team so I end this little canon segment by asking is that statement worthy I called up Julie Louise Dreyfus and she told me under no circumstance would she ever deem the lack of ability to use a cannon during Super Bowl 55 as cannon-worthy? Okay, I want to welcome on February 3rd, today's Wednesday, welcome LinkedIn. Yes, LinkedIn has joined the show as a presenting sponsor. They've chosen Wednesdays because Wednesday, as... Kevin Klein would say in the movie Dave what's today it's Wednesday everybody goes to work on Wednesday he ran a temp agency LinkedIn 2001 can be your year for success it's time to grow your business and to ensure that you add the right members to your team LinkedIn jobs finds that right person and finds that right person quickly to start off this search, your first job post is free. Hey, listen, if you're looking to hire people, and right now you should be because hiring through a recession, hiring when unemployment is up, this is the time to get the best people. And the way to get the best people is with LinkedIn. It's an easy process that you can get done in your pajamas. Okay, that wasn't part of the read. Coca went through and he added pajamas because he wears pajamas. It's an easy process that you can get done in your birthday suit. The best part is LinkedIn basically does the search for you with push notifications going right to your candidates. That's how LinkedIn Jobs can help you hire the right person faster. Here is my call to action for everybody listening right now. When your business is ready to make that next hire, find the right person with LinkedIn Jobs. And now you can post a job for free just visit, get the pen out, get ready, LinkedIn.com slash Samson. That's LinkedIn.com slash Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N. All you got to do is go LinkedIn.com slash Samson to post a job for free. But remember, terms and conditions apply. So I went on LinkedIn and the name that I saw first, because I was searching for a pitching coach job because I want to be a pitching coach. And I saw that Mickey Callaway is on LinkedIn looking for a job. Well, as I suspected, he hasn't been fired yet. But update on the Mickey Calloway story. For those of you who didn't listen to yesterday's show, I'm not going to catch you up because I know you're going to listen to yesterday's show. Because for whatever reason, CBS has told me and Coca in that you guys listen to every show and you listen all the way through. And for that, I am thankful. LinkedIn.com slash Samson terms and conditions apply. But the Los Angeles Angels put Marie Garvey to work yet again yesterday and had a follow-up statement to their statement of yesterday saying that we have decided to suspend Mickey Calloway pending the completion of our investigation that we are undergoing with Major League Baseball. Really? That's your statement? that you're just suspending Mickey Calloway? I guess there must be a reason. What could the reason be? Everybody say it with me. One, two, three, M-O-N-E-Y. Here's how it works when you've got an employee under contract that you have found by posting a job for free on LinkedIn.com. By the way, every time we say LinkedIn.com slash Samson, terms and conditions may apply. They give extra money to CBS, and I promised CBS that I would say LinkedIn.com slash Samson as many times as I needed to, maybe even not just on Wednesdays. When you have a person under contract and you want to fire them, you have two choices. I've explained it on Nothing Personal before, but here's a little refresher If you want to terminate someone under contract and you're willing to pay them out the amount of money that's left on their contract, you can say to them, bye-bye, see you later. Every two weeks, you'll have a direct deposit into your account. Give me your key card. Give me your computer. Give me your phone. Smell you later. That's one way. The next way to fire a person is when you say you're fired. And by the way, we are not paying you, give me your key card, another nickel Give me your company car and company phone. Ever again give me your notepads and don't steal post-its or paper clips because you are terminated for cause for violating the terms of your contract. You want to know which term? I'm going to tell you which term. It's the term that says you can't be a misogynist, sexist, sexual harasser. You've got to act in the best interests of the team, upholding the values of our organization. I like that because that's in every statement. This is a violation of the values that we hold to be strong and true in our organization. I remember we had to list the values that we held strong. Don't be misogynist. Don't send half-naked selfies. Are those values or policies? Here's the value. If you suspect that what you're doing is not being well-received, apologize, and don't do it a second time. Why should women have to say no twice? Why should men have to say no twice? Why should anyone have to say no twice? When you make an advance in someone and they are not interested and don't return the advance and don't say that you misinterpreted. You know very well when someone accepts an advance. You know very well when someone's interested in getting a picture of you like Mickey Calloway did. He looked like Bob the Builder, by the way, with the selfie that he sent to that person. Who uses heavy machinery with pants, boots, a helmet, and no shirt? I'm just curious, who does that? Unless like you're the February pinup person. And I don't think Mickey was that. The reason why the Angels could only suspend him is that when approached by the Angels about the article in The Athletic, notwithstanding the fact that he actually, actually released a statement where he denied, I think it wasn't really a denial. I read you that statement. It was so ridiculous. He said he's told his wife. He's married. His wife is aware of the general allegations. I read the article in the Athletic. There was nothing general about it. There were screen grabs and screenshots. There were very specific, very specific examples of what Callaway did, but I guess it was general. But when approached by the team and the lawyers, because by the way, here's another clue. You do not ever fire an employee without a second person who is from human resources or someone from your counsel's office on the phone or in the meeting or on the Zoom. You never Fire someone alone. Got to be a witness. So they went to Callaway, and guess what happened? He said, I didn't do that. I, I, I no, You got the wrong guy. The minute you say to your employer that you did not do that which they are accusing you of doing and trying to terminate you for cause, you cannot terminate that employee for cause at that moment. You've got to have an investigation and you've got to have human resources and your basically labor lawyers involved. You've got to paper the file and then you've got to show the employee what the cause is in case that employee decides to litigate. So, the only reason that the Angels suspended Callaway yesterday is that they're trying not to pay him out his contract and to do that. You need to have what happened with Jared Porter and the Mets. Excuse me. That was a sneeze off, a snuff. Um, By the way, what do you do when you cough and someone says, God bless you? Do you say, no, no, that was a cough? Or do you just say thank you? I always feel guilty when I say thank you when people say God bless you or gesundheit to a cough because I feel like I didn't do what was the prerequisite for being blessed. So I always say thank you, but that was actually a cough. And it's such an awkward sort of moment. Like that's the moment of truth, right? Do I just say, yeah, thank you. So that was a snoff where I sort of coughed and sneezed at once and it resulted in some sort of expectorant. Sorry, Coca. (laughs) I don't think anyone gives a flying rats a double S that I just had a moment. It happens. (sighs) Where were we? Land that damn plane. Coca, what was the topic we were just talking about? Calloway. Jared Porter. When approached on his 62 unanswered text messages, he said, I did that. The Mets said, you're fired and we're not paying you. See you later. Callaway has said the opposite. I gave you a wait to see yesterday that Callaway is going to be terminated before the start of the 2021 season, whenever that starts. And that is still the wait to see. I'm not taking it back because I can't take back a wait to see because as you all like, as fans of nothing personal, I'm accountable. I don't just throw out hot takes that are full of crap and then never revisit them and hope that you forget about them. Wait to see, he's still going to get fired. And the investigation is going to be super quick because they don't need to reinvent the wheel. The investigation has already happened. What else happened? Ooh, Coca. Play it for me, Sam. (laughs) I think Coca's gone. I think we're supposed to do this so you want to talk to Samson segment now. And hello? Coca, Coca. Coca, are you there are you so pissed about the expectorant thing it was just a snuff it was just a snuff we got to do the segment all right he's gone
0: <laughs> i want to talk to samson
1: it turns out coca is not pissed about the expectorant he was on the porcelain stool welcome back coca glad you're here for the show so you want to talk to samson By the way, he's now whispering in my ear. My mixer was muted. No one cares. You've got 45 minutes of work to do each day other than the hours we spend pre-show and post-show with you telling me what I did wrong, what I did right, and during pre-show telling me which topics are horseshit and which are good. You have one job during 45 minutes is to cross your legs and make sure you're drinking, make sure that you're awake and make sure the mixer's working. Does anyone believe the mixer wasn't working just now? No, I don't. I think he was looking out the window. So you want to talk to Samsons when you get into my Twitter at David P. Sampson, please have people follow David P. Sampson get in there because I answer as many questions and as many comments as I can because the DMS are public and open. And when a question is about something that I want to talk about today or tomorrow or the next day or the day before, I'm going to do it. Here was the question. Did you ever eject a fan for heckling? I love where your head's at. Thank you for that question. That question, I don't I don't believe you that your name is Ben Dover. I really don't. I think you were just trying to be funny. But if that is you, Ben, then I'm sorry. Then I shouldn't be making fun of your name. Did you ever eject a fan for heckling? Why are you asking that? Ah, did anyone watch the Los Angeles Lakers play against the Atlanta Hawks? Fans are back in Atlanta. Fans sit courtside. One of the great things about basketball is you can sit. Did I tell you my courtside story, Coca? When the Marlins were bought by Jeffrey Lurie in two thousand and two, you get a list in in due diligence. Due diligence, due diligence is when you're doing a transaction and you learn everything you can about the thing you're buying. Due diligence on a car is you drive the car. You look to make sure when the battery was changed or whether or not there's windshield wiper fluid or whatever else you're going to do for diligence. When you're buying a house, you have an inspector come to see if there's termites, see if the roof is going to leak. And then after you buy it, obviously the leaks start and all the crap starts happening. Due diligence for the Marlins included, what you do is you get a list of all the assets because it's an asset transaction. It's an asset purchase deal. So you're buying the assets of the Marlins that were owned by John Henry. So we're going through a list of assets. I told you the bus story. We got the F and bus. And one of the other assets is that John Henry had four courtside seats to the Miami Heat. And I don't mean just any seats. It was the four courtside seats closest to half court, literally the best seats in any sport, in any arena that you can have. Better than Spike Lee's seats at the Garden. I mean, these were right there. And you're sitting in those seats and the players are literally a foot in front of you to the point like you get the ball when there's when it when the referee during timeouts, the referee puts the ball near you. The players take the ball out of bounds and you get sweat on LeBron James ran and and ran into Jeffrey Lurie one time and knocked him down. It's just it's it's amazing seats. And so part of I just, by the way, buried the lead and, and, and stole the punchline. Part of buying the Marlins is we told John Henry, yeah, we're taking over those four courtside seats. You're moving to Boston anyway. You're moving out of Florida. We want those seats. We're going to use them for clients. We're going to use them for friends. We're going to use them ourselves. There was a whole person who was Beth, my assistant, who was in charge of of the tickets and people would apply who they wanted to bring. And then they had to show that they were going to get money from those people if they were sponsors or potential season ticket holders. And we would give it as rewards to some employees, to VPs. And of course, Jeffrey would go to games. I'd go to games, etc., etc., etc. We'd let players go to games. Players would call and say, hey, we'd like to go to this game or that game. Juan Pierre used to love going to games, Dontro Willis and et cetera. So the thing about those courtside seats is if you want to heckle the players You don't even have to raise your voice because they hear you without raising your voice. Literally, you can whisper and they hear you. And we made it very clear when we gave those tickets away that we would never allow four people to go unaccompanied. An employee of the Marlins always had to go with three other people because they were responsible for the behavior, because everyone knew those were Marlins seats, and we wanted people not to get ejected from the game, not to say anything disrespectful. If you want to cheer for your home team, fine. The other rule was you cannot cheer for the visiting team. As much as I used to love the Knicks, when I would go to Heat-Knicks games, I cheered for the Heat, at least outwardly. Have you ever had to stand up and clap for a team when you really were booing inside? Well, I've done it. I grew to love the Heat, by the way, but it's hard when you're a Knicks fan to love the Heat, especially before I got to Miami with the whole playoff history between the Knicks and the Heat. Anyway, so the rule was, and we made sure that fans and, and season ticket holders and sponsors, they understood very clearly, you can't wear a Knicks jersey. You can't wear any clothes that have the other team on it. You've got to wear heat stuff or you've got to wear your own South Beach clothes. Fine. So the Lakers are playing Atlanta. And all of a sudden, the referee stops the game, points to some people at courtside, and ejects them from the game. My worst nightmare, we never had anyone ejected over the 16 years that we had the seats. I'm thankful for that. When you eject a fan and you are a home ballpark or you are a referee, here's how the rules break out. Referees and umpires have the right to eject anyone they want their only check and balance comes from the league office post-ejection. The rule we had with our security people is if you were going to eject a fan, prior to that ejection, you had to speak to someone in our stadium ballpark operations department. And that person would speak to me because I would be at every single game. And we would decide whether or not the behavior warranted ejection. The overwhelming number of ejections happened because of fighting they happen because of foul language they happen generally because of being overserved in this case it turns out that a fan in atlanta who is a 25 year old woman with a her husband who was a bit older and other people i don't know why it's relevant that she's 25 it just i read that so i'm saying it apparently got into a cursing match with lebron being disrespectful and basically acting in a way that is not in accordance with the social norms. So LeBron James apparently got into it with someone courtside because he heard someone say something. And we caution our players, do not engage with fans no matter what. Everyone remembers the brawl at the Palace when the Detroit Pistons and Indiana Pacers had that brawl and the Pacers run or test, went into the stands, and they were fighting with fans. He got suspended forever. I'm not sure his career was ever as good, although that's totally anecdotal. Do not get involved with fans. There is no winning. And I used to be a fan who was a heckler. I was a major heckler like Robin. I was going to say Robin Thick, but that's not his name. His first name is definitely Robin. He was a heckler at the Washington Bullets games and Washington Wizards games. And he is totally escaping my mind, Coca, what his last name is. He was a lawyer and he was a very famous heckler who sat behind the visitor's bench. I was also a pretty well-known heckler at Madison square garden. I got in trouble, never rejected. There were letters sent to Jeffrey, my stepfather, uh, saying that if your seats continue that level of heckling, you are in danger of losing your seats. But I never swore. My heckles were far more toward players who were underperforming their contracts. They were more toward the executives, Robin Ficker. Thank you, Coca. And, uh, I would heckle Jerry Reinsdorf. I told you my Jerry Reinsdorf story of how he knew me. And when I walked into the first owner's meeting and met him, he said, oh, my God, you're that kid from the Nick Games. That is a true story. That is my first words ever told to me by Jerry Reinsdorf as executive vice president of the Montreal Expos. So cut to this woman gets ejected. She then goes on a tirade on Instagram calling out LeBron James, losing her mind. She then apologizes later. And LeBron James had an interesting quote. He said, I really like the interaction with fans. I thrive off it. We all do. I'm very thankful that fans are now allowed back in the arena in whatever small amount they are. And he took the high road. The only time we would ever reject a fan that didn't involve inebriation or swearing is when They were doing something that involved signage. There were a few Samson Sucks signs. There were a few "Marlin Sucks. And I would not eject those fans. I would take away the signs. And you're going to say that that's a violation of their First Amendment right to free speech and freedom of expression. And I will tell you that is a private game that we are putting on. You are buying a ticket. On the back of the ticket, it says... I am your captain now, and I get to decide the behavior that I want to see in the ballpark that I'm running with the owner of the team. So that's the only situation, and I have definitely ejected fans, but not for heckling. I love hecklers. Love it. I want you to tell me that we stink. I want you to tell me that a guy can't hit or I can't make a trade or that I can't figure out how to get hot hot dogs or I can't figure out how to get concession lines shorter. I love it. So I'm not going to eject anyone for heckling. I'm not going to inject anyone for nothing personal. If you've got something negative to say about the show, I want to hear it. You've got a correction about the show. I want to hear it. You are spending your hard-earned money. Just don't bring a sign that is rude Don't get political. Don't swear because you're not Nicolas Cage and it's not necessary. But by all means, be very vocal in your criticism, which Atlanta fans have every right to be. Because if they see Jamie Gertz one more time at the lottery, I think they're going to lose their collective minds. When we come back, we're going to review a movie with Denzel Washington, Jared Leto, and we're also going to talk about Deshaun Watson. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. My name is David Sampson. I get to watch a movie every day and review it. I'm reviewing The Little Things, which is a movie that just came out on HBO Max. It's also in theaters, part of this new deal where any movie by Warner is being released on HBO Max for 31 days. You can watch it streaming, and then in 31 days, it'll disappear and then come back after a period of months. The Little Things is a movie that was written 25 years ago, and it shows. It is a 90s movie about a cop, Denzel Washington, working with another cop, Rami Malek, who plays Freddie Mercury in Bohemian Bohemian Rhapsody, trying to solve a murder. And Denzel Washington has a history. There's something that happened that he's not on that specific police force in LA. He had to move north. You don't know what. Rami Malek comes in as the new kid in town, The young detective who becomes hardened quickly. Jared Leto plays, in theory, the killer. Spoiler alert. Jared Leto looks like the Joker without makeup. He is creepy. You know, when did Jared Leto decide that he was going to be the creepy guy? In Dallas Buyers Club, where he won his Oscar, he was just sort of the amazing actor guy. In Requiem for a Dream, that meth- that unbelievable movie with Alan Burstyn. if you have not seen Requiem for a Dream, do it. Jared Leto can act. But the little things made me feel good because it reminded me of movies like Seven with Morgan Freeman and Brad Pitt. It reminded me of sort of the investigative police movies from the 90s. It was a 90s movie released in 2021. For those of you who are not watching movies in the 90s, you're going to look at this movie and you're going to say, man, this seems old. Is this a new movie? This is barely keeping my interest. And by the way, that's how it ends. That's how it ends. Wait a minute. He who? No, he didn't. He might. Mu- no. And by the way, Rami, can you work in a donut? The little things. I want to take a minute to celebrate the life of Hal Holbrook. He passed away yesterday at 95. Hal Holbrook is an actor who you've seen in a lot of movies, but I want to call your attention to one performance of Hal Holbrook, and I'd like you to watch it. First of all, rest in peace, Hal. Thank you for all the movies you made. 95 years old. He was in a movie called Into the Wild, which is the story of Christopher McCandless, a book by, um, oh my God, John Krakauer, but that's not his name. That's John Krasinski, but it's somebody Krakauer. It could be John Krakauer, Coca. It stars Emile Hirsch, It's directed by Sean Penn. It's got Vince Vaughn in it. It's got Kristen Stewart in it. But Hal Holbrook plays a character that made me cry. It is a, he plays a grandfatherly-like figure who takes Emile Hirsch in Christopher McCandless as he is on his journey, his final journey to Alaska. Spoiler alert, he dies in the magic bus in Alaska. But it doesn't matter that I spoiled it. Please go see Into the Wild and celebrate the life of Hal Holbrook. Rest in peace. Nothing personal. Pick of the day. You know, I thought the Clips were going to beat the Nets because I think the Clips are a better team. The Clips were getting a point and a half. We lost. It was 124 to 120. Remember, I mentioned the Nets are scoring 122 and giving up 119. Well, in fact, they scored 124 and gave up 120. Where's the defense? Pat Riley is rolling around in his seat under his mask. No one plays defense anymore. We're now 14-13. and I still think the Clippers are a better team, but it was something watching Irving, Durant, and Harden together. I've never seen Harden play this selflessly. He's not taking the 30 shots a game like he did with Houston, even when he was teamed with Westbrook. And they are an interesting team. But I told it to you yesterday, I tell it to you again, if you don't play defense, you're not going to win a ring. So we're only a game over. We don't want to fall back. I'm a little upset about what's going on with Luca. And uh, uh, he plays for the Mavericks. I think he was going to be the MVP of the league. I want him to be the MVP of the league. He's an incredible young player. The Mavericks, I thought, would be better. They have not had a terrific season so far. I'm not even sure they're in the playoffs right now if the season ended today, which it's not. They are giving one and a half points to the Atlanta lotteries. And I think that Luka starts winning now. It's time, Luka, right now. Get me to 15 and 13. Mavericks over the Hawks, giving one and a half points. It is day three of our prop bets. I hope you've been paying attention. We are giving you a Super Bowl prop bet every day. We gave you two on Monday. We gave you one yesterday, and we've got a prop bet today. There is a prop at William Hill. If you're not going on William Hill and betting the props, then what the hell are you doing? You're not going to a Super Bowl party. There are no Super Bowl parties. You're gonna be watching the Super Bowl solo or with someone, but very few people, probably wearing a mask. And you might as well bet the props. You can get an account with William Hill if you live in one of 50 states. Here's the prop. Will there be a score in the first five minutes of the game? So you've got from one five colon zero zero to 1-0, zero colon zero zero. Will there be a score? You have to lay one ten to win hundred, and we're gonna lay. We are doing a lay. Aloha. Will there be a score in the first five minutes of the game? Yes, there will. That's the prop edit of the day. I guess that's a PP P O D. P cubed OD, prop pick of the day, prop pick of the day. P squared, not P cubed. Thank you. Okay, next. We had a bonus. So you want to talk to Samson? People have been asking a lot about the Deshaun Watson situation. And I've talked a little bit about it, but I want to end the show by talking a little bit more about it because I'm incredibly frustrated when Deshaun Watson signs that extension. And then he's pissed off about the Texans not winning. And he says, you know what? Trade me, trade me, trade me. And now everyone's saying, you got to trade him. So people were asking, given what Stafford was able to, what the Lions got for Stafford from the Rams, um, they got a bunch of first round picks and they got Jared Goff and they maybe got some conditional picks, two second picks, whatever they got. They got a haul for Matthew Stafford. And Deshaun Watson is way better than Matthew Stafford. So therefore, it must mean that the Texans are going to get a King's ransom, making the Herschel Walker and Matthew Stafford trade look like child's play. But what people are wondering is, does Deshaun Watson have the leverage over the Texans where he can just retire instead of playing for the Texans? He can just sit out instead of playing for the Texans. It's not gonna happen. The wait to see today, wait to see is when I tell you something's gonna happen and neither it does or it doesn't. I told you that Deshaun Watson was not gonna be traded. That was a wait to see. Given the fact that I'm telling you that that wait to see is still in existence because we don't know whether he's gonna be traded. That wait to see expires either when he's traded or when the uh, game one of the regular season of 2021 starts. I have another Deshaun Watson wait to see. He is not going to retire or sit out for one minute of the regular season. People are saying he can miss practices, get fined. He's ignoring owners calls. He's decided he's not going to take calls. He's not going to participate in any off season activities. By the way, the reason players don't participate in off season activities is they don't want to. They want to be left alone. Deshaun Watson is just holding out because he's pissed off that he wants to get traded. But all players, whether they're signed or not signed, have zero interest in any offseason conditioning programs. If it's not mandatory, they're not showing up. That's more than just a generality. That's about 90% of players. But Deshaun Watson will not sit out because he is not going to miss a regular season. Now, you're saying to me, LaVon Bell sat out a whole season. People sit out seasons. It's totally normal. There's nothing normal about that. When you are a quarterback like Deshaun Watson coming off a season that you just had, you cannot afford to let a season pass. How's LaVon Bell doing? Sat out, got himself traded, then released, then he signed. He's actually playing in the Super Bowl this week with the Kansas City Chiefs. He gave a little interview of why he chose the Chiefs over the Dolphins or the Bills. How it was a tough call. He was happy. He chose them as though he's been rewarded. And what makes me sick is that he's going to be rewarded if the Chiefs win. Wait to see. We'll make that pick on Friday. Uh, If he wins, he gets a ring. Mm -hmm. We cannot reward players. Think about this as a fan. When your player and the player you love so much commits to your city, like Nolan Arenado, like Deshaun Watson, how do you feel whether your team has not won a lot or whether they've won a lot? How do you feel when that player changes his mind because all of a sudden he's not happy and he wants out, and then your team gives in like the Rockies did when they traded Arenado? How come Rockies fans are pissed? They're pissed. They're claiming they're pissed because they didn't get enough back for Arenado. No, they're claiming they're pissed because they're pissed that Nolan Arenado's gone and he's the best third baseman in baseball. If the Texans trade Deshaun Watson, by definition, they're not going to get back enough in return. There are certain players that if you don't have to trade him for money, which we had to do sometimes, and then you're not going to get back enough players, but you're getting rid of the money. The Texans don't need to save the money. That's not the issue. The issue is they're scared that he's going to sit out. Who cares? Let him sit out, fine him every single day, and don't waive those fines. I told you already on this show, I didn't want them to trade him. And I wanted to you. I wanted the Texans to let him sit out. Why are people in the media and fans telling me and asking me and suggesting that he has the right and he should either retired or screw the Texans? Or here was an even better one. Tell the Texans you'll only go to one team. Go public with that fact. Let's say it's the Dolphins. And then the Dolphins are in a position where they don't have to give up a lot to get Watson, because they know they're the only chance of making a trade because Watson said there's only one team he'll go to. So you think the Texans should make a bad trade because Watson says, I'm only going to go to that one team. And Watson should do that because then the team that he goes to won't give up as much. Therefore, his team will be better. His new team. There's a major problem with that you are assuming that the Texans feel in any way forced to acquiesce to the demands of a player wanting out. That is not the case. There is an inflection point that every executive goes through feels and experiences when a player is unhappy that inflection point is manifested after speaking to the player, after exhausting every possible scenario, and then deciding that you're willing to move on from that player only if you get an equal trade or win the trade in return. Given what Stafford got, what the Lions got for Stafford, it is impossible for Watson and a trade of Watson to result in the Texans getting near enough. So the Texans are going to look at Deshaun Watson very carefully, and they're going to say, hey, show up, don't show up. That's up to you. But guess what? You're not going anywhere because for us, it's just business. It's nothing personal.
0: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?